Welcome to the Kentuckian, folks. Glad to have you with us. Howdy, y'all. The topic we're going to be talking about today is one that is very relevant to you, I'm sure, and has been particularly relevant to me recently. As I would guess, most of y'all have seen, if not outright dealt with, the utter insanity of social media comment sections before. I've had to deal with this before, and I'm actually dealing with it right now relating to an ad that I've run on one of my posts for the Kentuckian. And in my direct experience, what I've had the most experience with uh, in dealing with these toxic comment sections is about the war between the states. And let me tell you, it is quite crazy. And of course, these issues come up with almost any topic, but I think the war between the states is a bit more toxic for various reasons. We'll get into a little bit later. But I want to be careful about using the word conversations in referring to these comment sections and these communications because they're not really conversations most of the time. And we'll get into that a little bit as well. But having some experience trying to deal with these comments in a respectful and hopefully effective manner over time, making, I'm sure, plenty of mistakes, I've been able to understand these situations and communications a little bit better. And especially recently, things have started falling into place where I'm figuring out how to answer and think of these communications in wiser ways. So let's break this down a little bit. It's already helped me this discussion, preparing for this podcast and the things that led up to me thinking this would be a good topic. And I'm pretty sure I feel pretty confident in saying that it'll help you as well. One key part of this is an issue that has been an overall problem with the advent of some of the recent advancements in technology in the last couple of decades. We have to set this up a little bit. Why is uh, why are comment sections so toxic and crazy most of the time? I mean, it's the Wild West out there, but why is it so bad? And there's several reasons. But we need to understand something about communication and the way technology has affected that in the last couple of decades. Much of this modern communication deals with written words, and this is a key detail. Written communication is, of course, much different than the spoken word, or best of all, talking with someone face-to-face. We have to remember as we think about that, that a huge amount of communication comes not from words, but things like tone and facial expressions, the volume of, of our voices we're speaking, hand gestures, all these different things that really affect communication that you cannot have in written communication. Texting has become super common. Uh, obviously, I think most, mo- not everyone, but a lot of people text, even if it's just a little bit. But this especially became common at first among younger folks. Now, something that younger folks have struggled with and will continue to struggle with is proper texting communication because young folks have a problem with communication completely. As teenagers, and in some cases those in their early 20s, they're still developing. Both their brains physically are still developing, and they're still trying as people to learn the ropes of interpersonal communication. They're dealing with a lot of insecurities and so on. I mean, We've all been there, or <laughs> some of us might be in the middle of it. I do have a bit of a younger audience. Texting so much, as opposed to phone calls or better yet, physically hanging out and talking with folks, makes that development and figuring out how to communicate properly and what people are trying to communicate that much more difficult. There's so much that kids just don't know, that young adults just don't know, and they're trying to figure out. Everybody goes through that as they grow and become adults. 
but texting does much less to help them figure it out because it's just written communication and there's a lot of ambiguity as opposed to talking with someone, especially face-to-face. Written communication, I don't believe, is in any way inferior per se, but it does require a much greater attention to detail and much, really more skill, honestly. You're just sending a message off into the ether, the tone of the message, the emotional condition that the recipient is in, and all those different factors are so much more even impossible, so much more difficult or even impossible to know and account for, not to mention that even though you try and account for those things that normally would come pretty easily most of the time when you're talking to someone face-to-face, you also don't have the same immediate feedback. You don't get their immediate response. You, They may send a text in response that isn't meant the way that you took it, right? And so the, even the feedback and kind of that feedback loop that generates communication is somebody responds and you're trying to respond to that and, and have a productive conversation. You don't have that the same way with texting or email or those sorts of things. So maybe you would diffuse the situation normally and it wouldn't be a big deal, but it turns into to almost a texting war because each person's getting angrier with the other because they didn't communicate their tone right. And someone maybe was kind of upset when they got a message and they just took it a bad way. And that's much more of a danger with texting or, or just written communication. If you've ever had to send like formal or business emails or <laughs> perhaps especially for my younger audience, perhaps if you've had a text conversation with a boy or a girl that you like, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You understand that this you're trying to, to figure out like, oh, what are they trying to say? Are they mad? Are they not mad? You know, all these different questions that you're asking yourself. You're trying to construct a message that it doesn't communicate the wrong thing. Probably after making a mistake a few times and somebody getting upset with you, you all have dealt with. It. I think everybody's dealt with this at one point or another. But social media and other similar communication uh, mediums have at, have the added factor of anonymity, anonymity, excuse me, I said that incorrectly, which not only do you have just this written communication that is by nature more ambiguous and easier to, to mistake tone and, and, and emphasis and all these different things, and it just takes more skill to do properly, when you throw in the anonymity that most people can experience through social media, where even if their name is attached to something, they may live on the other side of the country. You're never going to see these people. It's behind a screen. You're not set saying something to somebody's face. It empowers people to do and say things and say things in a way that they would never have the guts to do to someone's face. All this to say that social media and the general culture created at least partly by the advancement of certain technologies that has made certain methods of communication more common has created an environment that fosters the insanity and the aggression that's seen in the comment sections of many a Facebook post, um, many social media posts, all those different uh, websites and so on. Although I will just throw this out there, such communication is not unprecedented in history but the way that it showed up now and perhaps the ease of access of it is somewhat unprecedented. Now, with all this in mind, as we go to the next point, I want to really dig into why these communications, these comments, these uh, debates in the comment sections of social media posts and similar uh, apps and websites turn so toxic and wild most of the time. Now, one of the obvious problems is that people post something 
and it and or its tone and intention is simply misunderstood. People get defensive because they mistook the way somebody meant for for their post or comment to come across, and they feel obliged. Uh, obliged. <laughs> they feel obliged to respond in kind. People get defensive, right? That's what happens when they get defensive. They think they've been attacked. And so the way that they respond is automatically there's a bit of an emotional charge and you think that you've been attacked. So you're you're maybe not going to attack in response, but your response is not going to be like you're talking to your buddy and you don't agree with something he did or you want him to think about something that he did, right? That's not the same. We understand that. People don't really take the time to be careful with what and how they post. Most of the time, and that's one of the big issues that causes all this defensiveness and causes um, tone and intention and even the points being made to be mistaken so much. And sometimes you have to remember, like we mentioned, even if it's well constructed and you're really careful, it can still be misunderstood. I've had that happen before. But then you throw in the point about anonymity and the lack of repercussions, right? There's no social repercussions for acting like a jerk to people online, really. And it makes it that much easier to type out something that is not at all well thought out or constructed and just send it out, right? Just just throw it out there. There's no real consequences for me. And I'm not, you don't have a motivator to take the time to really think about and try and construct a well thought out written answer. So this is really starting to get to some of the issues of why these comment sections turn so toxic and crazy. But really digging in a little bit more to what is at its core an attitude problem, a trend that I've noticed more and more, but it's taken me time to really figure out, to really understand what's been going on and how to respond. Like, I feel like there's been like deep down, I kind of know what the issue is, but up until recently, it hasn't really clicked. What you get to most of the time in these kind in these comment sections when people start their debates and their arguments and all those different things is they don't really want to have a discussion and i'm going to try and give like a general example to maybe help illustrate this because one thing as i've dealt with these is i might go back and look at a message or a thread of comments and try and see try and break down what's going on like what where what is this person's original argument why did they respond to my answer or someone else's answer the way they did and kind of looking back and, and letting that sort of, of uh, mull around in my mind a little bit, mill around in my mind a little bit, and kind of process it deeper and more, which your brain, uh, just a cool side fact, your brain, if there's something that you don't understand or you don't feel like you understand well, your brain oftentimes will work on it in the background. That's also part of the reason that sleeping can help you figure out a difficult problem or... Uh, make a difficult decision because your brain will actually do some processing on its own when you're not busy and it will do it in the background even if you are busy so sometimes just stepping away from a problem can help you find a solution just a side point there that's kind of cool and <clears throat> now getting back to our, our topic here people don't really want to have a discussion so think about what happens you make a comment or you make a post, maybe, you, you know, you whatever. You make a comment on a post about something for some modern political question or policy or something like that. We can probably think of some examples pretty quick. As for me, a lot of it has been with the war between the states and kind of trying to dispel some of the misconceptions and, and, and lies that are out there about it. 
And then someone, you make your post, you make your comment, and then someone posts some piece of evidence or argument that supports their side, right? So you don't agree with them, and that's obvious. It's obvious that there is a difference in opinion there, difference in belief. And so they post one of their arguments to defend their position. Often they don't have any real explanation. They literally, like, they don't say, hey, here's something that maybe you haven't thought of, or here's kind of what I believe on this subject. They just post it. They just, they just jump right into it. Or sometimes you'll also go the direction, well, how could you believe this? That's such a stupid argument, etc. right? People kind of set it up with either a borderline insult and like, wow, you really believe that? Well, here's the truth. Or they just throw that out there and maybe throw something at the end. Now, from here, when they post that response, it can take a couple directions. One is the very insulting, disparaging course. And this will kind of, you'll understand because this relates a little bit to my direct experience. Something along the lines of, we'll get a load of this white supremacist or, oh man, here's a typical stupid argument of a lost causer or, or whatever, right? Now, when they start getting into the name calling and ridicule or sometimes worse, then I think most of the time it's pretty easy to realize, well, this isn't going to get anywhere. They're just calling names. They're not interested and hopefully move on. But sometimes the course that the the communication again I, I i hesitate to use the word conversation but sometimes the way that it progresses is a little more subtle than that so they make their post and they throw their evidence or argument or you know whatever out there for you to read for everyone to read and so you see that they responded to you you bring up a piece of evidence or argument that you think is in response to to this the comment that they made and then they respond to it later, okay? And they just start saying stuff. They bring up other evidence or arguments. Sometimes they don't even address what you said. Sometimes it starts to transition into personal attacks. Oftentimes it'll go into moral arguments, especially with something like the war between the states, that they're basically gotcha arguments, if you will, that basically the way they've constructed them, you can't disagree with them without delegitimizing yourself, at least in their eyes. Now, we realize that just because someone is responding in that way doesn't mean that's necessarily true. But they're not really addressing your point, right? They just keep going and going. And you'll, you'll, they'll say something and they'll bring up other stuff and you're like, okay, well, I guess they're trying to bring up some other evidence. So you'll try and do it. And the same thing happens, right? The same kind of weird response. Half the time, half the response may not even be related. And you're just like, what, what, what are they even saying? Uh, and it starts to get very confusing. And again, sometimes it takes more of a, a, a critical journey, critical direction, but it really gets into, they aren't having a logically progressing discussion of what the evidence is, what the perspectives are, even when you dig in and you try and explain, well, this evidence means X because if you think about historical context, if you think of and then they immediately go to, oh, historical context, well, for my example, slavery, and that's basically their argument. And they completely ignored what the point was you were trying to make. Now, this is where things get really interesting. Because they, they've gotten to the point, they're ignoring or misunderstanding the point that you were making. I think most of the time it gets to ignoring. Because if you try and not directly answer, so you're like, okay, these people, they're not even like 
even if you think they're that it isn't intentional, they're not even like dealing with the questions at hand, right? They're just saying stuff. They're going off of off of disc off of discussion, off of the the evidence that we're talking about, the arguments that we're talking about. They're just going all over the place. So if you try and maybe just point to other data, like okay, uh, here maybe you'd like to check out this book. One thing that I'd been saying, you know, like okay, we're going to address this issue later, or I've addressed it in some episodes before. You know, maybe you'd like to check out this book or have a great day or whatever. Or you even try and point out that, well, that's not the point I was making. You're misunderstanding. And I'm not saying you would word it this way, but you're, this is what you're communicating, hopefully respectfully and everything. You know, that, that's not what I'm getting at. That That's not, you know, I see what you're saying, but the reason I don't view that evidence the same way is because of this historical context or because of, you know, this person that I read, you know, an, an account or a diary that they had, or, or this is the trend that I've seen among diaries, whatever the case might be. There, maybe you even point out they're, they're being inconsistent. Like, well, you're not even like addressing what we're talking about. You're making stuff up. I've addressed this pro I've addressed your point and you just keep bringing it up again. Then they pull an interesting little trick. Then they start to say, when you kind of start diffusing and, and trying to back off and just okay, they're not really having a discussion. Let's just move on. Then they start saying, well, you must not have an answer. Or I see how it is. Oh, you, yeah, you, you're not answering this point that I made. Well, it's often sarcastic in that way. You know, you guess you don't have an answer, right? Well, see, you're a hypocrite or whatever. And even if they don't outright say it, oftentimes it's insinuated, right? They try because you try and keep the argument or the discussion or the debate on point and logical and focused on evidence and making sure we're understanding each other, then they start going into, well, see, you don't have an answer. See, my evidence was right, and my argument was right, and this proves it. Now, as humans, this is a powerful pull, I think, for many people. We don't want to leave somebody like that unanswered. We don't want to let them have the last word, when they, especially when they end things like that or they insinuate, well, because you're trying to change it, then you don't have an answer, and this proves it, right? And that's where I think more often than not, they really get us. We get defensive, again, like we've talked about before, and that's a fairly natural reaction. We think, well, they're asking about evidence, right? They're, they're bringing up this other evidence, and they just want an answer, right? That's why they're they're upset that I didn't give them the, uh, the answer that they were looking for. So maybe I misunderstood. I can just give them X evidence or x argument or x i can point them to x book or article and then they'll understand right and we start just well you know i can still address that because well that was when they kind of say the well you don't you didn't answer this so you don't know what you're talking about or you're wrong well i can at least answer what they've got to say there i mean you know i can at least address that but the key to understanding this and, and understanding how to respond is that they don't care they don't care what you've got to say if we were to take what they've said and speak it out loud, like we were saying that to a person we were trying to have a discussion with face-to-face, -face, it is obvious when we think of it that way that they've communicated that they aren't interested in having a real discussion. They don't care what you think. They don't care what you believe or why you believe what you believe. They're controlling the flow of communication by using these various, well, most of the time they're logical fallacies, actually, like we've talked about in uh, our, our logical fallacy series. But they're controlling the flow of communication with these 
logical inconsistencies and fallacies so that they can make the points that they've already prepared or based off of their normal talking points. They know what they believe and what they want to say, and they're just setting it up so they can say it. So they can, uh, and oftentimes it's not like they have a statement to make per se, but it's addressing the negative side of a statement someone else has made. But it's the same thing, right? Like, oh, you bring up that evidence? Well, that's illegitimate because. And you may not have even been making the same point about that evidence. It's kind of like when you're telling a friend about something big, right? You're talking with a buddy of yours. Some problem you're having is going on in your life, and you're, you're kind of catching them up on it. And it's obvious you're, you know, you're, you're wanting a little help, a little encouragement, a little bit of maybe friendly advice or whatever. And they let you talk. But as soon as you stop speaking, as soon as you get to a stopping point or whatever, it's obvious they aren't really listening. They're just preparing their answer or their opinion or what they think you should do in this situation. Mostly irregardless of what you actually have to say about the situation. I'm pretty sure all of us have experienced something like this. And honestly, I've I think I can fall. I would fall into this category like most of us have probably been guilty of it from time to time if we're not careful. Now, of course, when that happens, it's much less sinister than somebody on the Internet trying to, to get a row out of you. But it's the same concept. It's kind of a, it's a similar problem that that uh, is the source of this conflict and toxicity. People. And there's another side or another thing that we deal with in interpersonal relationships where people argue because they like arguing. They argue for the sake of arguing, and that fits here as well. So you have it where they're not really listening because they're just they just want to say what they want to say. They just want their opinion. They don't really care what you've got to say. Again, that may sound a little harsh when it comes to your friends, but this is much more harsher in this context. The concept is the practice is the same, even if it's not intended to be as toxic as it is on the Internet, on the comment sections. And then you have the people that just like to argue. They just want conflict. They just want to argue with somebody. We, we've, we've all known these kind of people before. And more often than not... That's, these are the kind of people that get into the comment sections of social media, of YouTube, and so on. I've experienced this firsthand many times, and this experience has helped me to grow. And I hope that it really starts clicking for you as to the attitude and why they're responding the way they respond. Because their attitude is what their, their beliefs, their, their thought process is what leads to these responses and this toxicity and just craziness and everything else. Hey folks, just wanted to remind you about my Patreon page. Any amount you can afford makes such a massive difference and allows me to bring you more great content. Back to the show. Now I believe that the ambiguity of communication that we talked about earlier, specifically in written communication, is why these problems that we, we've just talked about are so effective, why these attitudes and these practices are so effective on the internet. One, people are not near as likely to talk like that in real life. These things that we're talking about where people are trying to argue and people are just trying to get their opinion out there and they pretend to listen, but they aren't they don't really care what you got to say. People don't tend to do that in real life. There's people out there that do, but they also tend to not have many friends, especially on the arguing part, because people it gets where you can't stand them, right? Always got something to moan and complain about, right? Something to whine about, something to 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 argue about, something to cause a conflict on, right? And two, 
part of the reason I think this is so effective on the internet as opposed to real life, or so much more effective, I should say, is that the ambiguity keeps us guessing. Because it's not face-to-face or even on the phone, there's that ambiguity that we talked about that keeps us thinking, well, maybe they are sincere. I kind of mentioned that earlier. Like, maybe I misunderstood them. Now they're bringing evidence back up. Maybe, I, I, you know, I should still say something. Uh, surely the, this evidence that I can say in response to their quote-unquote argument, their reasoning, even though it's not truly reasoning like we talked about, um, it, surely this evidence would convince them or, or perhaps also the, well, I don't want others to think that I'm conceding if they read the comments section, so on. You can probably fill in the blank with some of the own thoughts that you, your own thoughts that you've had if you've had to deal with this directly. Now, I'm saying this to myself, too. Like I said, this is part this is something that I've really things have really been clicking just in the last day or two, even. You have to learn, though, to let it go. Be respectful. Don't let them dominate the flow of communication like we talked about because they're just trying to argue. They're just trying to, to keep egging you on, basically. They aren't really interested in having a debate or discussion. Point out that they clearly aren't interested in really hearing what you have to say. They're just using it as a platform to jump off and say their own thing. Wish them a good day and move on. And I'll say, and you may not have had experience with this, but you'll know pretty quickly if a person is sincere. Most of the time. I, uh, I've had the pleasure of dealing with people that are sincere, that are asking sincere questions or trying to bring up points because they want to have a real discussion. And usually it doesn't take very long to know that. You'll probably know it in the first message. If you're not sure, they're almost definitely not sincere. That's, that's not without exception. But even then, if they are, if you can't tell within like the next message, like you say, you make your kind of general response and, and well, it doesn't, you know, you don't look like you're even interested in having a discussion, then their response to that, if it's like, oh, I didn't mean it that way or I, you know, I'm just trying, again, you'll know within about two messages. And if you're not sure within two messages, just you can about guarantee they're just egging you on. They're just trying to get their, their point out there and so on. Honestly, I think it's best practice just to avoid even talking to them most of the time. You know, you might make a quick response just to point them to some data or an article or a book or whatever, but they've made up your mind and their mind, and they're just going to waste your time if you try and really engage with them. In general, and I do want to say this, in general, I actually avoid commenting much on social media. But, of course, with what I do, and occasionally for other reasons, although these other reasons I've tended to to shy away from, but especially with things with a Kentuckian and so on, there are, there are times I think it's appropriate or necessary that I give some kind of response. But recent experience has helped refine my judgment on when to say something and what to say. Now, you may ask or think, this is the, the final main point that I want to make. You may ask or think as we're talking about this, why? Why do these people do this? Why, why are they so belligerent? Why are they so determined to have an argument? And of course, you could name any number of reasons that would likely be for, for you know each individual case that would likely fit into one of them. Uh, but often, <clears throat> you know, maybe they just like to argue, right? We've talked about that. And there's a lot of people out there that maybe they feel obliged to answer whatever issue, kind of like when you feel like you should say something in response on a comment. And 
you know, you're like, I know this is right. I mean, I don't, I feel like I should say something that could, you know, I know how to address that and I can make a good point that hopefully would help, except for the people that are much more belligerent. Often it's, it's very poorly thought out. They have very little evidence or logic. The logic is a key factor because when you're illogical, these sorts of practices become so much easier to, to, to fall into. And oftentimes they literally just start saying nonsense that has happened more than you might expect. One big one, though, one big factor that, as I talk about the war between the states and history in general, now, this, this factor does occur with other, a lot of other subjects, but I, I think it's particularly bad with history, and I'll talk about why in just a second, is they get into these arguments, they get belligerent, they get into this crazy cycle of illogic and, and just like egging people on and arguing and, and not listening, because people like... People that do this, and I mean everybody does, but people that like to do this like to feel right, like to feel justified. And one thing you have to understand, and this is a big problem, and it's kind of what leads to a lot of this, I believe, is many people go to history for a sense of moral superiority. Now, we talked about this concept some back in episode 16 of season one. The title of that was Moral Superiority and Dehumanization in America. If you'd like to check that out, we talked about that concept that they can, if they can demonize the right people, if they can oppose the right idea, if they can stand for the right idea. And that doesn't mean like based off a of truth, right? But what works in giving them the moral superiority, they can they can hold it over somebody. Well, I don't support this or I hate X um, thing that happened back in history. So that makes me a good person. Right. I feel like a good person. And the beautiful thing to these people about the Internet is that they can say a bunch of baloney. They can say a bunch of nonsense. They can pat themselves on the back for their snarky responses to the people that were genuinely just trying to have a conversation. And they can walk away from the computer feeling like they really show those degenerates. They gain a sense of moral superiority. And yet what we need to realize is as long as we're careful and factual and, of course, respectful, and especially if we just shut down their hypocrisy, people will see most people will see that they're nuts. They may not fully agree with you, but they'll at least see, well, those, those other crazies weren't even trying to have a conversation. They were just losing their minds for whatever reason, and people hopefully will start to pin, pin those things or, or, or fit those things together. And the people that don't see it that way, that maybe side with, with the crazies, if you will, um, the people that are not being sincere, they're weren't going to be convinced through the comment section anyway, so don't worry about it. If they're going to be convinced, it's probably going to be some other medium. Maybe it's a book. Maybe it's a podcast. Whatever. Maybe it's somebody talking to them directly. Maybe it's a change in their life. But the comment section isn't going to be where their minds were changed anyway, so don't worry about it. Focus on the truth. Point out these people's attitude and why you won't engage as they're not really interested in engaging. They're just trying to get their own point across and move on. I do want to throw in a final warning. Whatever reasons might exist for their behavior, and uh, we talked about some that might exist, but there are many people out there on the internet that are colloquially known as trolls. They're not really unique to the internet, but they flourished on the internet because of the very things that we've talked about today. And whatever their motivations, they only egg people on. And, and there is kind of a, there's a separate thing here because oftentimes, as we talked about, there's an ideological motivation or something like that. 
But trolls are in sort of a different class where they're really just trying to aggravate people. They're just trying to keep people talking and arguing. They're trying to get them riled up and, and inevitably making mistakes or just saying something stupid, maybe for the moral satisfaction. Who knows? Um, they gaslight people, which just in case you don't know what gaslighting is, it's sounding sincere in your answers and responses just to waste people's time and so forth. You don't really mean it. Um, they, they gaslight people and they really just need to be ignored. And sometimes it's very difficult to tell whether somebody's trolling or if they're in this kind of side category we've talked about or other category of not caring what you have to say. And there's definitely some overlap. But they're not exactly the same. Trolls are a bit more extreme. They'll say whatever, and there's not really a, not necessarily or much of an ideological um, thread through it. It's just trying to get people aggravated in whatever way they can. People literally take like the opposite sides of different issues in different contexts to try and aggravate people. Just ignore them. I've been on the internet long enough to to see plenty of these trolls. And to deal with them occasionally, and you just have to, to to move on. And as I mentioned before, you may just want to avoid commenting at all. Uh, there may be times where you feel like it's necessary or appropriate, but hopefully these things will really help. I have observed, as of others, that there's a natural tendency for a lot of reasons, including the ones that we've mentioned here, for 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 us to assume that people are at least being relatively sincere. I don't believe it's natural for most of us to assume the worst of people. When we talk with people, we don't assume that they're trying to gaslight us or get us riled up or or just get their opinion out there. I don't think that's that a lot of us feel that way. And in general, that's probably true, at least to a certain degree. But comment arguments and battles on the Internet is different or excuse me, are different from and separate from real life. That may be true in general. I hope that it is true in general, but the internet and the comment sections on social media pages and YouTube channels, YouTube videos are different. It's just not the same. And I think that uh, for a lot of the reasons we've talked about, people kind of assume it's the same. It's like, well, I'm talking to a person on the other end of the computer, but it's a different attitude for them, for a lot of people on the internet. Stick to truth, logic, rationality, and respect. And maybe lean towards silence as opposed to answering. Uh, you, sometimes you don't have to answer at all and they'll just show themselves crazy without any effort on your part at all. <laughs> and it'll work out. The internet is not a totally bad thing, but it's also provided a lot of opportunities for insanity and evil and a lot of other things. We have to, It's a tool that we need to learn to use effectively and hopefully not waste too much time in uh, these pointless battles that, at least for the people we're talking to, we're never going to do anything to help. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. I know I've gained a lot from it, preparing for it, and the things that led up to, to preparing for it. And I hope that you've gained a lot from it as well. Now, as I, I wrap up here, I want to take just a second. There was a special request from a certain person. As you all have known, several months back, I got a logo for the Kentuckian. It's a logo I've been I love the logo. I still like just look at it sometimes. I'm like, man, this is perfect. This is exactly what I wanted. And the person that did it for me actually has a business. Um, well, she does several different things, but she's been getting more and more into logo creation and sort of digital art. And she asked me to uh, give her some promotion, and, I, and I'm more than happy to do that. She does basically commission work, so she does art. She actually does some watercolor. She's an amazing watercolor artist, 
and she does commission work on that uh, and some other things, but she also does commission work on digital art like logos. So that's basically what I did for, for the Kentuckian logo. In fact, one thing I want to say about that is I, I sort of had a general idea of what I had in mind for a logo, like some some key concepts in the logo, and I told her about it. And very quickly, she got me some ideas with some different color options. And I'm like, this is exactly what I had in mind. I mean, this is perfect. I mean, it's, it was just, I was mind blown. It was amazing. If you need any kind of work like that done, if you if you want some some commission artwork, anything like that, be sure to check her out. She does a fantastic job. I can't recommend her enough. If you'd like to, to see what work that she does, especially on the watercolor side uh, and the, the more like art side, and if you want to communicate with her about potential commissioning for digital or regular art, then follow her on Instagram at Live a Purpose Driven Life. That's the title of her Instagram page, Live a Purpose Driven Life. You can find her there. I think you'll have your mind blown if, if you even just check out what she has done. And I, again, couldn't recommend her enough. Stay tuned to the Kentuckian, as Lord willing, we'll be having at least a couple of guests soon. I don't want to reveal too much, but I'm working on some things, hopefully within the next week or two. So that should be exciting. I'm certainly excited about it, and I hope you all are as well. I do apologize. I realize this was a little bit of a longer episode. It's something I don't think was really able to be split into two episodes very easily or very effectively. So I kind of felt like I just needed to get it all out at once, and hopefully that it's been effective for you. Remember that uh, as we think about, as we wrap up, and the things that you can do to help the Kentuckian, even the small actions you take, like liking, sharing with people, commenting on a post, telling people that you found a really cool um, podcast that they might like to check out, that makes such a huge difference. Don't forget that. It really does help. It helps the Kentuckian. And it helps the world in general. Small actions add up, as we've talked about multiple times before. Connect with the Kentuckian on social media. We've got Facebook page. We've got a Gab page, which I would highly recommend you check out. That's a Facebook alternative. And we have an Instagram page. All of those are linked below in the description of this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the Kentuckian's YouTube channel. We've got some unique content out there. We've started kind of a series of short videos to address um, specific topics. And we'll have more unique, um, more unique content to come. In fact, today, if you're listening on the day of production on February 26th, I am planning on doing a live stream later on the YouTube channel to address and kind of update people on the situation in Ukraine with the Russian invasion there. And if you aren't able to catch it for the live video, that should be on the YouTube channel afterwards after we're finished. I feel quite confident in saying that all of us can think of someone that this episode would help. This is something we most all of us deal with. We have any kind of social media, and it can be kind of like, man, what is going on? Why are people so toxic? How do I deal with this? Please share it with those people. Remember that expand. I, I would ask you to remember that expanding my audience is key to the Kentuckian survival and growth. Uh, that allows me to bring you more and better content. The more that I'm able to grow, the more resources that I have available to me. If you'd like to help in a more personal way, my Patreon is linked below as well. Thank you all so much for all your support. You all have done so much already. I appreciate it so much. And, of course, I want to give a special thank you to my patrons. Remember, friends, as long as you and I do what's right, we'll make a real difference for good in this old world.
the Kentuckian, trying to make a difference one person at a time.